Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia. We've just finished day three here at the Oval, and we've got some breaking news to report on. So we'll come to the day wrap in just a moment. But it's Stuart Broad. He's just announced his retirement from all forms of cricket, effective immediately after the end of this test match. So we'll jump right into that. My name is Josh Onafinger. Louis Cameron's with me. And Louis, we didn't really see this coming, did we? I mean, we were talking about the retirements of the other players potentially this week, not this one. No, especially someone who is the leading we could take for England in this series. He's been fantastic throughout uh, and he wanted to go out in the high. We've, uh, we've just heard from him in the press conference. Um, it was a man, I mean, he's a very polished performer um, in the media as, as, as he is with the ball. Uh, and I think there's a, there's a future for him there. I think he's, he's probably going to jump straight into the commentary box with, with Sky Sports and he'll be a great fit. Uh, but it's kind of sad to see him go. He's the leading all-time wicket-taker against Australia. He's played every test in England uh, against Australia since 2009. That's an incredible stat. 09 Ashes, 2013 Ashes, 2015 Ashes, 2019 Ashes and 2023 Ashes. And he's played a fair chunk in Australia over that time as well. Um, what do we remember him for? I'm, I'm that spell at Nottingham in 2015, 8 for 15 with the Ashes on the line. Um, just carved through Australia. That was that was a classic, um, and he's had some moments, some really great tours of Australia as well. So he's going to be sorely missed by England, I think. He is. Uh, let's run through some of his numbers: 167 Tests, 602 wickets, with the potential to take another few in the fourth innings here. 25 wicket hauls, 151 wickets against Australia, as you said, at a pretty good average of 28.9. And in this series, he's taken 20 wickets at an average of 28.15. England's best. He's played every test. And uh, let's just hear what he said to Sky Sports after the game uh, when it shocked everyone that he was announcing his retirement. Uh, yeah, t uh, tomorrow will be my... Well, tomorrow or Monday will be my last game of cricket. You know, it's been a, a, a wonderful ride. Um, a huge privilege to wear the Nottinghamshire and the England badge as much as I have. And... Um, you know, I'm loving cricket as much as I ever have. It's been, a, it's been such a wonderful series to be a part of. Um, and I've always wanted to finish at the top. And this series just feels like it's, it's been one of the most enjoyable entertainment I've been a part of. When did you make the decision? About 8.30 last night. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking about it for a, a couple of weeks. But, um, you know, England versus Australia has always been sort of the pinnacle for, for me. Uh, I've loved the battles with Australia that have, that have come my way personally in the team's way. And... Um, you know, I think I've got a love affair with Ashes cricket and, and I, I think I wanted my, my last bat and bowl to be in Ashes cricket. And so, yeah, you mentioned 8-15 in Nottingham in 2015. That was when uh, Australia batted first and they were all out by lunch. In incredible scenes, Stuart Broad actually has a quote where he said he was sipping tea by the lunch break <laughs> and he said that it's a pretty, been a pretty good morning for England and that one certainly was. He also took 6 for 50 in Durham in 2013, 6 for 81 in Brisbane and then the one that started it all, really, 5 for 37 at the Oval hit at this very mm. ground back in 2009. Bowling third change, I believe it was, if you look at the scorecard in that one. Really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So certainly not their frontline bowler, but it was a sign of things to come for Broad as just a young pup at that time. He's now 37. And is there a standout moment for you that uh, when you think about Stuart Broad in the future that you're going to think of that encapsulates his whole career? Well, I mean, he's the always been the villain, hasn't he? He's always <laughs> yeah. been the villain to Australian audiences. We know. I mean, the one I always think of, and I think it's unfair, but you know, when he didn't walk, when he nicked the one <laughs> off Ashton Agar in the 2013 Ashes, it just summed him up. He was like, well, you know, I've nicked it straight off Brad Haben's leg, and it's gone to first slip. I'm not going to walk. I'm going to make the umpire make a decision. I don't think many Australians would have walked. I would like to point out. Uh, but then, gee, he absolutely copped it during the 2013-14 Ashes. Maybe fair enough. Uh, and that kind of just summed him up. He was a guy who just inserted himself into contests 
uh, when he didn't necessarily need to be in it. And he's done it right to the very last. We saw the other day here at the Oval, one ball before Marnus Labuschagne got out. He swapped the bales on the stumps. Uh, it was kind of classic Stuart Broad, uh, you know, so just a villain right to the end, really. Also, not really something you can put into stats or into numbers or even quantify, really, but how about his ability to bowl that match-changing spell, even if it's just one wicket or two wickets or, in the case of Nottingham, eight? Um, he's just always had that ability to come into a match and even if he hasn't bowled in the previous spells, he, something just clicks with Broad and he's done it on so many occasions. I heard someone described before as an agent of chaos and I think that's, <laughs> that's just a great way of putting it. Yeah, the, the stuff with the bales yesterday, uh, even the way he bowls, I mean, he's reinvented himself as a scrambled team bowler. He's probably the, the world's first great scramble team bowler, um, you know, at least as someone describing themselves as that kind of bowler. Uh, we saw him come, we haven't even mentioned the 2010-11 Ashes, which, you know, might be regarded uh, as England's, you know, greatest uh, Ashes performance or greatest Ashes achievement, uh, you know, for some time. When they came to Australia, they won a series over there. It's a really difficult thing for, for any team to do, to win an Ashes series abroad. He worked for a long time in the lead into that series with Jimmy Anderson on the wobble seam ball. He actually didn't end up playing that much in that series, as, as you kind of pointed out, uh, but it was a genesis for something bigger, right? So w when he's come... Uh, when he had success against Australia in 2013 and, and all the Ashes uh, series to follow, that, that ball was the one that um, that really revolutionised modern fast bowling and it's it's something now all bowlers use uh, all over the world. So um, he's, he's going to leave a real legacy on Test cricket. And he's going to get an amazing standing ovation every time he gets the ball tomorrow or potentially on day five. And he's currently batting as well at the minute. He's not out with Jimmy Anderson, his great mate, at the close of play on day four, and uh, it's England's game at the minute. Let's quickly run through what's happened. Uh, Australia began 12 runs ahead, but within the first over, their <laughs> lead had been wiped out. Uh, Zach Crawley and Ben Duckett came out, as they have done all series with serious intent, and uh, it was it really it was the start of things to come for England throughout their day. It was uh, a dominant day for the home side. Uh, Zach Crawley and Ben Duckett then got a 79-run opening stand. Uh, they both looked pretty good before. Mitchell Stark got the first wicket of the day. He finished with four and had a pretty good day. Crawley, Root and Bairstow all got half centuries. And Ben Stokes as well played a good innings at number three. That is the fourth number three of the series for England. But he did a really good job. For him, it was a century stand, however, between Bairstow and Root that really changed the game and pushed it into firmly into England's grasp uh, before Todd Murphy got a couple of wickets and he finished with three for 110. The tail tried to slog a bit, got England's lead up to past 350 and they go to the close at nine for 389, a lead of 377 runs. And we don't know if they're going to declare overnight or if they're going to give Broad and Anderson one final hit, but it's going to be an uphill battle for Australia from here. It really will be. Uh, no team has chased more than about 260 at the Oval uh, in the final innings of a Test match. Um, so that's a lot to, you know, history often, uh, you know, it's made to be broken. These records are made to be broken, but um, teams just don't chase down big scores here. This is earlier in the, in the season. I was having a look at some of the previous Oval Tests. They're all in August and September. Uh, this is earlier. We're, we're still uh, in July as we speak. Um, so it's going to be tough for the Aussies. You really felt like it slipped out of their grasp today. Uh, not through 
particularly terrible bowling um, through excellent batting, I thought. Uh, Joe Root, Johnny Bairstow later in the day, but the platform laid by Crawley and Duckett was really important. Uh, and it just looked like Australia's fast bowlers, they you know they went back to the well with the big three. Uh, Cummins playing in his sixth test, Hazelwood playing in his fourth test, uh, and Mitchell Stark playing his fifth test of the series. These guys have, have a lot of miles in their legs. We saw uh, Stark talking to the doctor at different points today. We know he's refused a scan on his shoulder, so he's admitted that you know something's probably not right and he just doesn't want to know the full extent of it just yet. Uh, Pat Cummins has bowled a lot of overs and, and Josh Hazelwood, uh, you know, is a bit injury prone as well. Let's get to our moment of the day, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia, proudly representing Australia on the world stage and flying to more than 95 destinations around the globe. Louis, what's today's moment of the day? Not a whole lot to cheer about for Australia. No, there wasn't, but I thought Todd Murphy was a real shining light and he got better as the day wore on. Uh, and we can talk a little bit about Ben Stokes, but the moment of the day, I thought, was his ball to Joe Root. A lovely attacking line from Todd Murphy. And he has done for Joe Root, who has looked sublime, making 91. Um, was a really good ball. He came on uh, at the start of a new spell. I think it was Mitch Marsh just bowled one over. Didn't quite go Australia's way. Murphy came into the attack. Uh, and straight away he was on Root. Root was kind of doing anything he wanted at, at that point. He was scoring it better than a runner ball, I think it was. Just looking through the scorecard, uh, he made 91 off 106. So not quite a better than a runner ball, but things, everything was going England's way. He got, bowled two dot balls at Joe Root. A uh, bit of frustration there, and he tried to hit one through the offside. Spun it back through the gate. Bit of a help uh, with an inside edge, and it went back onto the stumps. So at the time, it felt like it was kind of the Graham Swan ball uh, to <laughs> Ricky Ponting at Edgbaston in 2009. It wasn't quite that good. Didn't quite that get that level of spin. Uh, but it was it was a really big moment for, for Todd Murphy. And I thought he really worked his way into the day. So Zach Rawley kind of had his way with him um, earlier on, using his feet. Uh, sweeping mm. his, him as well, but he bowled quite a, a lot better to Ben Stokes. It looks like he, he kind of knew the right line and length to bowl to him. He got him out with uh, with a nice bit of drift and caught it mid-on. Uh, and then kind of after the tea break, it looked like he bowled a bit wider to the right-handers um, and just kind of changed his line a little bit. Probably some discussion with the coaches and I dare say Dan Vittori, who has a lot to say to the Australian spin bowlers um, and their fast bowlers, I should say, as well. Um, so that that was a really important one for Todd Murphy uh, and, and a big day for him. And a feather in his cap as well because that's the first time Joe Root's been bowled to a right-arm off spinner in Test cricket. Is that right? As Is well. That right? So certainly something for uh, Murphy to hang his hat on. Three for 110 he took from 22 overs. So a pretty good day for the Australian off in tough conditions as well there. It was a tough day for Australia on the reviews front mm. as well, wasn't it? Uh, they had uh, Joe Root almost out very early in his innings on four when the umpire's call didn't go in their favour. They also had a couple of chances against Wokes and then one against Wood. Both umpire, both of those were umpires' call as well, I believe. So it was a tough day for Australia and just the fine margins where you need in test cricket just didn't go in their favour today. So I have no problem with the umpire's call on particularly Chris Wokes' one because that was one where it was hitting, it said, ball tracking said it was going to hit the top of the stumps but not by enough. So yeah. it wasn't within the margin of error on the umpire's call. The umpire's call is in there for a margin of error, right? So when, after it hits the pad, you're predicting what it's going to do after that. So I understand why there's that error in there why there's that margin of error in there. But for Joe Root, when he was hit on the pad, when he was just on four against Josh Hazelwood, that wasn't predicting anything. The umpire's call was for the impact and it said, oh, well, umpire's call outside the line. Well, it's not predicting anything. You're sticking a straight camera straight down the wicket. You know whether it's hitting him in line or not. 
uh, either the ball is in the line of off stump or it's not. So that's just a, a bit of a rule thing that... Um, so I would you like to see that rule relaxed in that even if 1% or 2% of the ball is in that line, in that tram track, uh, you'd like to see that be given a red light? In 100%. The I mean, if... And it's a... So, it's the same when you see, you know, only 1% of the ball hitting the stumps. Uh, that, that's where I understand why the umpire's call is used because it's using prediction yep. uh, to figure out where the ball might have gone. Uh, but there's no predict in, in, in terms of where it hits him on the pad. Um, yeah, that makes sense. We'll uh, have to put that to the ICC and hopefully we'll uh, hear back from them very shortly. This has been the Unplayable Podcast brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia. Join us tomorrow for what could be Stuart Broad's last day in Test cricket or maybe in a famous Australian victory.